Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. We basically came to work for a burned down company and we rebuilt and we rebuilt and we grew the team and we kept going and we still exist. The thing about that is the mission. I don't know that you get that with just every company. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I am Mike Veldhuis, business owner of the Dutch IT company Nalta and podcaster from the Netherlands. I just love the Women in Tech podcast by the talented Esprit Devora. It's made with passion and creativity. It gives insight into the world of inspirational women from all around the globe. But most of all, it's fun to listen to. Esprit Devora truly is the girl who gets it done. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created getpodcastlisteners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences. So we could do the same. Check out getpodcastlisteners.com. That's getpodcastlisteners.com. Today's personal spot is about being a community builder versus being a business person. Very fucking confusing for me because I am both. And sometimes I lean way too much on the community builder side and it makes it hard to know where the business starts. And my friend this morning was telling me, he's like, look, business inherently in itself is about transactions because I was saying I'm not a transactional person. I'm heart driven. I just want to be supportive of people. But at what point is, like, I'm also not about pro bono charity. It doesn't make me feel valued, and I can't sustain things in the operations of what's going on if I just continue to do things in that way. So it's a really, really confusing concept. And as I discover this journey in myself, I'll share it with you. But if you've ever felt conflicted about what it means to be like a community builder versus just a business person or where the business is within the community building, like message me, let's go through this together. Shoot me a DM or tweet or Facebook, or whatever, Instagram, Twitter, all the, all the things that exist nowadays, email. Let me know what you feel about that and what your suggestions have been. And if you've made some critical decisions that have evolved you into a better place that where you feel like badass and vibrant and you found your rhythm, let me know. I'd love to hear that feedback. All right. Enjoy the next episode. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest coming at us from Pennsylvania. Welcome, Kabira. Hey, what's up? 
So, okay, you have been amazing in helping us come together to make this happen. So excited to have you on the show. You have an incredible history behind you. Let's start with, why don't you go ahead, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm Kabira, and it's funny that at the moment you're saying from Pennsylvania. So I'm quarantined here in Pennsylvania. I'm from Pennsylvania originally. I went to school in New York, and then I headed out to LA in the year 2000 and had a rollicking time there for 17 years, did lots of things, including working for Garcetti back when he was a council member and starting a company called Isidore Electronics Recycling that then went on to meld with Homeboy Industries and become Homeboy Recycling. Um, Isidore and Homeboy were both and are social enterprises. So we started to responsibly recycle and deal with unwanted IT assets and electronics but we also had a social mission, which is to employ people who face severe barriers to employment, systemic barriers to employment. A lot of folks who have been formerly incarcerated, formerly homeless, dealt with drug and alcohol addictions. Two very cool companies, both still exist. I was with the companies for nine years and decided that it was time to, to step down and move on as CEO. And that was scheduled for March and then COVID happened. So I very quietly stepped down. Didn't seem appropriate to make a deal out of that. We're filming this in late May. About three weeks ago, I, I took on another CEO position of a company called Retriever, which is also in the recycling space and which I will tell you about as we go on. Why don't we just lay kind of the foundation and what is Retriever? Because we got into a little bit about Homeboy. Go ahead, tell us a little bit about Retriever. The years that I was with Homeboy and Isidore before that, so we, we were B2B, selling to businesses, dealing with corporations and schools and nonprofits and governments who needed to deal with their old technology. The thing about electronics was we never, ever saw the recycling rates move on them. And in the nine years I've been in this industry, I've never seen the recycling rates move on that. It stayed at about 25%, which is just insane, considering the amount of toxins that's in these items and the amount of precious materials that's in there. What I always thought in my head was what we need is the Uber of e-waste. We need someone who's literally in a truck going to people's houses and getting it out of their, their homes. And that's what Retriever is. The twist with Retriever is that it actually adds clothing to the mix because apparently the same is true of clothing, is that with clothing recycling rates are like 15%. The amount of clothing in land sales is bonkers. The amount of wasted resources and revenue and all the things. So Retriever was started weirdly in Pennsylvania <laughs> to go to people's doorsteps and collect unwanted electronics and clothing. And we're just finishing a pilot program. And as of today... Thursday, the 28th, the announcement was made that we signed a contract with the city of Philadelphia, which is the sixth largest city in our fair country, to do doorstep collection on behalf of the city. So that launched officially today. I grew up in LA, still live in LA. And so Homeboy was such a, an important part of my upbringing. I saw as Homeboy got bigger and bigger. And in the beginning, it was almost like this concept where we want to empower people so that they can have a better life. And in the beginning, it seemed like we don't know if this will work, but we have a lot of heart behind it and we hope it will. And we have a lot of good people who have been previously incarcerated who are working really hard to show us that they want a better life too and they want to be like productive amazing citizens and so to watch homeboy go from this small experiment it, i don't know if it was really an experiment but that's how i saw it is like i hope it works for them too and then to go to this large company that's crazy like it was so cool we're right around 30 years that homeboy was 
founded by this amazing man, Father Greg Boyle, a Jesuit priest who looks like Santa Claus, who his mission was in East LA. He was trying to have a parish there. And there's a tremendous amount of gang activity. There certainly was a, a ton back 30 years ago. And he basically was like riding around on a bicycle trying to stop gang wars. Like, guys, God loves you. Like, don't, do you don't need to do this. And he he became a part of the community. People started trusting him. And he started asking them, well, what really, what do you need? And almost everybody said, we need jobs. There's no job. We need jobs. Yeah. We need opportunity. Totally. And what inspired you to create your company that eventually got acquired by Homeboy? I mean, in a lot of ways, Homeboy was a big inspiration for me. So I moved to LA in the year 2000 with dreams of being a fashion designer. That's what I wanted to do. And I was, you know, selling things to vintage stores and, and Fred Siegel had a couple of my things. But when 9-11 happened, it really threw me for a major loop in my life. And as cheesy as it sounds, someone sent me a not very well-known Dr. Martin Luther King speech called Beyond Vietnam that asked these questions about our society that I was like, how is he asking these and nothing changed? Like he asked these in 1967, just about the way that we deal with the military and racism and our economy and equality. And I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but reading that speech really changed my life. And I decided I didn't want to be a fashion designer. I wanted to figure out how to put my privilege and my education to work. And that sent me down just an activism path that eventually led to trying to organize my peers when I was in my 20s to pay attention to what was happening locally in LA. Like everyone was so mad at George Bush in back in the aughts. And that was fine. But like, for, the truth was, is that your mayor and your city council person and your county commissioner, these are people who have like super, super direct effect on your lives. And we don't pay attention to them. We don't vote for them. We don't know what they do. So me and a bunch of my peers got together and thought, well, what if we started paying attention and started voting and started this crew? And it was through them that I met Eric Garcetti and he hired me. I worked in the 13th council district, which is like Silver Lake, that sort of Northeast corner up there, Glassell Park. I was a field deputy, so I was really in the field. And it was, you know, I'm, I'm from the suburbs of Philadelphia. I really had a very privileged life. And I'd never really thought about gangs before. And suddenly I'm in these neighborhoods, literally watching people. Like you could see it when folks would come home from jail. There was no job opportunities for them. And you saw cycles be repeated and violence happen. The thing about sending folks to prison for for whatever reason, 98% of them come home. It's not like you're locking them up and throwing away the key. People come home and we either forgive them or we don't. And the truth is most of the time we don't forgive them. It's changed a lot since I got into this about a decade ago. It's been amazing to watch our country shift on it and is still shifting every day. But it seemed to me that we at least deserve to give them a chance to get back into the economy or even into the economy for the first time. And that led me on this path of going to USC. I, I got a master's in public policy there and was just sort of obsessed with this question of it can't be impossible to hire folks who've gone to prison. Like, that's not impossible. And what industry would be interesting for them and a good one for them to get into? I met an electronics recycler. I'd never thought about electronics recycling. I was a conservationist. I like to recycle. I'd never thought about e-waste. It's the fastest growing waste stream in the world. I met an electronics recycler and something clicked in my head. And that, that thing that happens when you're an entrepreneur and a screw goes loose in your head and you're like, I just feel like if I asked people for their electronics, maybe they'd give them to me and I could like hire some dudes. And I did. I hired some guys from Homeboy Industries actually back in 2011. And the rest is her story. 
When did you discover technology? When did that start to become an interest and how did you integrate technology into what you were doing? Around 2015, uh, Isidore at the time, we became a portfolio company of the LA Clean Tech Incubator. And I always made a joke, which was that we don't have an innovative technology. We're just here to clean up after the rest of y'all. Like we were on this side of technology that most people don't think about what happens when it's done. And I do think that's an important part of the technology world. And it's something that you have to think about when you're designing it and when you're implementing it and all that. The retriever thing is, I mean, this is a very new position for me. The mission is so right. And I think that in order to move the needle on recycling rates, this is actually what we have to do. I didn't know what SaaS stood for before uh, two months ago, that uh, (laughs) software as a service. So I'm learning all about that. But I mean, of course, it just makes sense. This is the world that we live in. And it's a unique platform that we've created to make it easy to understand efficient routing and that's the thing is that people have tried this before to pick up these items from people's homes, but it's it's been like a trash truck. Like you just sort of go home to home to home and this is actually routed efficiently. So to me, I mean, I don't know anything about that world really. I know how to recycle electronics and I know now how to utilize it to get more through the door. So you'd say you apply technology when it comes to logistics. Am I hearing you right? That's right. What does that look like day to day? Like where do you... Where did you first get immersed? And then what did you have to learn in order to apply it to your business? Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. We would not be able to support and celebrate women in tech around the world if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for being a listener and a fan of the show. To contribute and donate, simply go to womenintech.fm on the upper right-hand side and click Donate, which empowers us to continue celebrating women in tech around the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. Where did you first get immersed? And then what did you have to learn in order to apply it to your business? We are so lo-fi over at Homeboy, for instance. I mean, that, that that's the world I'll talk about because that's what I, I've been immersed in for so long. Again, I just really think it's about thinking holistically about the way that we use tech and the fact that, you know, just because something lives in the cloud, that doesn't mean it doesn't also live in hardware somewhere. And really trying to paint that picture of as we move forward in this post-COVID world and in trying to, you know, pass a new green deal and really be thinking about technology is so key right now, obviously. The fact that we can talk to people while we're quarantined and see people while we're quarantined and all the things that are happening. But there's another side to it that we all actually do have to think about, or maybe we don't all have to, but I'm down to think about it and I want to, because as we move forward in this brave new world, shit has to be more aligned. That's thinking about what happens at the end of life. And it's thinking about what happens while we create these things. So I don't know much about blockchain and all that, but I I had an interesting call with a company called Bitgreen yesterday. They're, They're the first, as far as I understand, blockchain currency that isn't taking the environmental toll that the rest do. And it's I'm just, yes, like these are the thinkers. This is what we need because the technologies are here. They're obviously not going anywhere but we have to become all more aligned with how we we flow with them. You know what's so interesting and what you're saying is that you're so connected to your, your why, you're so connected to your intention. For you, it's not about technology. It's not about clothing. It's not about the storefront. It's, it's about what resources do I have within my access to deliver on this mission and to make sure that not to sound cliche, that I'm making the world a better place. <laughs> like, like you know, and it just seems like you utilize 
all the things, offline, online technology, all the things as like your arsenal of resources to accomplish a specific goal. And your focus is the goal. Is that, am I hearing you right? I think that's right. And I think that's being a social entrepreneur. It's a triple bottom line, right? It's thinking about all the bottom lines. It's how does this affect the people in my community, in my world? How does it affect my environment? And how do we make money doing this? And I believe that that's the future of the economy, I do, especially now. I don't see how there's any other way to do this. These are great questions to ask, especially as we, we're going to see supply chains start to melt down. We don't know what's going to happen between China and the US. Supply chains are going to have to become more local. And even if those are all robots doing the work, how do people play into this? And how does the environment play into this? We, we can't ignore these questions any longer. The thing about COVID to me is that this is such a huge event for our world. And it's almost just like a primer for us. It's, it's so intense and it's so global. But the next global challenge is climate change, which isn't even next. It's here right now. And yeah. I think one thing that COVID will give us is we're being prepped for that right now because how we deal with this will translate to how we deal with what's next. I think it's also just really telling and not to get into a whole conversation about climate change because I know everybody wants to hear all the facets of what makes you you. But it is very interesting to see what's happened in a short period of time um, when we haven't been driving and we haven't been doing all these things yeah. and how fast yep. nature autocorrected itself. I mean, it's it's insane. So yeah, and I think that that is a conversation that many people should be having and something that if you know of a podcast or any YouTube video that is talking about that, I would love for you to like let me know because I'm very interested because someone who doesn't know a lot about that, just being really upfront, like to me, I'm just like, if this can autocorrect so fast, like, like what else have we been damaging? Like, it's just, anyway, not, so to like revert it back, but to pull it back in just a little bit, I like to ask a question to everybody. I like to ask, what is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it in your career? In 2015, right before we joined the LA Clean Tech Incubator, we were still a very small company and we had just moved into our own warehouse in Lincoln Heights near Chinatown, part of LA. And finally, it like hung our own shingle and we're so excited to have our warehouse. And we had a huge, massive warehouse fire. And I was driving to San Diego on my way to a wedding when my landlord called and said, where are you? Because the warehouse is on fire. It was an electrical fire. It wasn't our fault. And thank God no one was hurt except I think like one firefighter got something in his eye. But like for the most part, everyone was safe. Thank God. But my business burned down <laughs> and it was an incredible moment. It was 2013. So we'd been in business for about a year and a half. I mean, that was the most intense thing that had ever happened to me. There was this real moment of like, girl, if you want to walk away from this right now, like no one's going to judge you. Like, feel free to just step back and be like, well, we tried. And to come back to what you were saying before about the goal and the mission, I know that the reason I didn't was because I was like, no, I still want this company to exist. It's a company that doesn't exist and I want to see it exist in Los Angeles. All except for one, my whole team stayed with me. And that is also because of the mission. Also because we're a cool team. <laughs> I actually also had a guy, the fire was in May and he was supposed to start April 1st. And I had to call him and be like, uh, hi. So we had a fire and he literally was like, 
cool, like I'll help you rebuild. And he basically came to work for a burned down company and we rebuilt and we rebuilt and we grew the team and we kept growing and we still exist. The thing about that is the mission. I don't know that you get that with just every company. I think that mission is something that is becoming so much more prevalent now, like especially these huge corporations are understanding that they have to care about, about their people. And what is one of the best pieces of advice that you've gotten throughout your journey? (laughs) Honestly, I think it was to get insurance. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) For the fire, right? (laughs) Well, all of it. I mean, the thing about having a business is like, you're like, ah, why would I get insurance for that? Because you're going to probably need it one day, whether it's workers' that's comp crazy. or yeah. you know, whatever it is. I mean, that's super mundane, but I think that is no, some advice is to get insurance because you will need it. The advice of having a strong, for lack of a better word, spiritual life and grounding practice, and whether or not that's spiritual for you or not. I found Transcendental Meditation actually through the David Lynch Foundation over on Highland, I guess, over in LA. And that practice became everything because when business gets hard, you have to have a place to, if the mission for a minute doesn't grab you, right, like you, have, right. you have to have another place to, to ground yourself. To, to ground yourself. And that, totally. that's what's okay. Totally. Um, so I have a few uh, selfish questions that I ask from time to time. One of them is, what is your favorite tech tool? Could be hardware, software, mobile app. Well, to that point, there is an app called the Insight Timer, which helps me with my meditation. So it's it's just like little, very zen bells that tell you when your meditation is done. But it also helps you keep track of what you're up to. That one's been a key to me. Insight Timer. I'll have to Google that. And we'll include it in the show notes as well. And your favorite book? You know, one that is sitting on my shelf right now that I have listened to podcasts about, but I haven't actually read it, but I want to is called A Paradise Built in Hell. And the actual, it's by Rebecca Solnit, who's so amazing. The subtitle is The Extraordinary Communities That Arise in Disaster. Because I'm so interested right now in this idea of what does rise from the ashes here of COVID. And we have all become so localized again. What do those communities look like? And how do we how do we build something, a future that we all want to actually live in and not have to look at the news and be so heartbroken every day? Totally. hundred percent. Is there anything that you wanted to share that we haven't shared yet? Well, I guess I will just say that we're so retriever launches in Philadelphia. We start pickups June 8th. And if you're in the Philadelphia area uh, or Southern Jersey, it's free uh, for most things that we come get. We'll charge you for a TV or a, an air conditioner. But if you text pickup, uh, the phone number is on retriever.com. That's retriever without the last E. And our goal is literally to move the needle on recycling rates for these hard to recycle items. I mean, I don't know about you, but I find going to the post office like the hardest thing in the world. I never drop stuff up at those bins. And I think the truth is, is that most people don't. And so totally let us come to your home and, and help with this problem. And can you spell it for everybody again, just in case? Totally. Retriever, R-E-T-R-I-E-V-R.com. Perfect. Kabira, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. This has been awesome. I'm really, really happy that I've had you on. I think that social impact isn't something that we even talk enough about. If somebody wanted to follow your footsteps and get involved in social impact, what would be 
the first steps? What can they do? Because sometimes it feels too grand, too big, where what could I possibly do? I'm just one person, right? So what would you tell them? If you are a business owner, I think it's just look at your own business. I mean, we became a a, a certified B Corp, which is a certification that you get. It's it's really these guideposts just to having a really sustainable business that's sustainable for the earth and for your employees. It's a lot to apply for that, but it's also, it, you feel really good about the business that you're building in that way and sort of helpful ideas you never would have thought of. So that's one thing if you're a business owner. I mean, if you're just an everyday person, I think whatever that issue is out in the world that keeps you up at night or that comes in your head and you just can't get it out. I mean, it just seems to me, research it, find out who locally is doing something about it, give a little money, or if that's not an option for you, see if you can volunteer. In a way, I just think learning about what's happening actually in your community, you can be so much more effective down the street than you can across the country. It makes you feel a lot more empowered to know that you could be part of a solution that's that's really in your backyard. I love it. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. If you want to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight there. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Kabira Stokes, CEO of Retriever. We are on-demand doorstep collection of your used clothing electronics launching in the city of Philadelphia this month, June of 2020. And you're listening to Women in Tech. Hi, this is Arlen Hamilton, author of It's About Damn Time, How to Turn Being Underestimated into Your Greatest Advantage. And you're listening to We Are LA Tech. I feel so grateful I've had the privilege of getting an advanced copy of Arlen Hamilton's new book, It's About Dan Time. She is one of the most inspiring venture capitalists I've ever come across. Her story from having absolutely nothing and being completely broke to being one of the most influential venture capitalists in the world blows my mind. And her book is insanely well-written. Right when I picked it up, I didn't want to put it down. She teaches me and us how to become the asset, how to be our best selves, and how to be a person that not only creates opportunity for ourselves, but creates an abundance of opportunity for others. I'm so proud to share her book with you, and I hope you'll pick it up. And I know for sure you'll be just as riveted as I was with each page you turn. Get It's About Damn Time at itsaboutdamntime.com. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Community spotlight coordination by Sarah Tran. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.